My name is Era, and I'm the host of the Tamil Creator Podcast. I chat with creators from all over the world to share their stories and discuss hot topics in a way that I hope inspires, educates, and entertains you. Yeah, so I'm a permanent part-time uh, dance teacher at a private school. Oh, nice. So I'm working with um, grades one to eight. How did you get that opportunity? Uh, it was actually through a friend of mine who had referred me. So then through an interview and then just went on from there. Oh, awesome. Okay, yeah. well, well, I mean, I guess this is a kind of a good way to kind of segue into the podcast. And yeah. I get made fun of this, but I'm really bad at last names. Um, it's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so can you pronounce it once and I will, I will do it after. I kind of want to hear you say it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to say Anoshani Mohan. Wait, Mohan. Mohan Daraja. Mohan Daraja. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. You don't need Mohan Daraja. Yeah. Oh, all right. Nailed it. All right. I nailed it. Yes. Awesome, guys. Well, (laughs) hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Tamil Creator. And today I have a very special guest um, for maybe a lot of you. She's a well known name. Her name is Anoshini Mohan Daraja. I nailed it, I think. And she is a dancer, choreographer, and instructor based in Toronto. Um, she's training in Indian classical dance as well as a Bollywood dancer. She's worked with a number of big names. She recently was um, on stage at the Junos, which is a huge, huge thing. Um, and I guess this is more of kind of a blast from the, from the past, but she's also been on Canada's Got Talent uh, with uh, Broken Dance Performing Arts. And she went on world tour with um, as a feature dancer for Lily Singh as well. So welcome to the show. That's a I felt like that was a great intro, hopefully. <laughs> wow, I'm super, super humbled. I'm like, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for the intro, or I really appreciate it. And I'm super excited to be here. So thanks for having me. I'm really excited. We'll uh, see. I have no idea what you're going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, I'm really honored that you kind of made time considering kind of all the interesting things you're working on. Um, I feel like what you do and I don't want to say just you're just kind of just a dancer because I think you do mention in a few interviews that dancing just happens to be the medium that you storytell through so I'll call you more of a storyteller where dance is your medium but like how did you develop a passion or interest in uh, this particular kind of form of storytelling okay before I even like dive into that I want to say thank you because you don't hear that often right you know, when you're when you're in the dance world, you're kind of labeled as a dancer. Um, and then especially within the South Asian community too. So for you to recognize that, I really appreciate it. Um, storytelling is something I feel like that I started feeling passionate about just through people's stories. And so growing up, I was kind of always the ear for people to turn to and talk to me about their life um, and, you know, obstacles, issues, whatever it is that they were going through. So I would carry that around with me quite heavy. Um, so I, I think I would call myself an empath, pretty much. So it, it really weighs heavy on me. So through that, and then going through my own, um, you know, experiences and obstacles throughout life, dance just kind of came, became the medium that without even realizing that I was using to tell stories, it became the medium that I started to release how I was feeling um, and using it as a platform to express my emotions because sometimes you get sick of talking about it. 
You know what I mean? Um, so be, being able to um, express that through movement, through expression, um, you know, and emotion, it felt really good. Um, so it was basically there for me. Dance was there for me. It, a lot of the times during tough times, it got me out of bed. I um, mean, these are things I reflected back on as I got older, because while you're going through it, you don't recognize that, um, that I was turning to dance. But then when I did a lot of reflection, I realized that, oh my goodness, through this part of my life, this part of my life, this part of my life, it was dance. And I was using that to, you know, share my stories and et cetera. So then I, I guess I made it more of an intention as I got older or went into adulthood. Um, so then when I started creating pieces, it became so important to me to use real stories um, because a lot of these stories, you know, are taboo to talk about within the community. Um, so to be able to use these stories and other people's stories and share that through dance and movement, it just became a huge passion for me and also just significant. It was really important to me. What's an example of like a, a taboo subject mm. that you talk about through your art that maybe the Tamil community is, like you said, a bit hesitant to talk about? Yeah, of course. So a few years back, um, a, a family member of mine had uh, passed away through suicide. And so we never talked about that growing up ever, you know, whether it was within the household or even friends and family, it was never a topic. Um, so when that had happened, it was, you know, it was very hard. It was very difficult to go through that time period as anyone would have. Um, and at the right moment, I think about six months-ish later, um, I got offered this opportunity to perform a piece at a very intimate show, um, showcase, and it's called One, Two, Three, Four. And as I was, you know, brainstorming and thinking about what it is that I want to do, I just felt like this was the perfect space to tell a real story. And that was kind of the first time I did that openly because they also asked me on stage what it's about and I openly said what it was about and my heart was racing because I feel like if I was younger I probably wouldn't have right I would have just said a family thing or issue or whatever um so that was the first time that I fully created a piece for it because I wanted people to know that it's okay to talk about it and if they're going through something similar you don't have to be alone through it um and it's okay to not be okay and while creating that, it was therapy for me. While creating that, it helped me get through it, to be honest. So that was one of the first times I did that. How did you become confident in dance as your kind of medium of choice? Because I feel like with getting good at something, it's kind of like a feedback loop where, you know, you do something and then you either feel it or as people tell you, hey, you, you're, you're good at this. And then you kind of keep doing it. And then it's like... Um, skill feeds passion is kind of a loop versus like were you or were you just like really good right out of the gate and then that kind of built up momentum momentum or like was it like you kept working at it like you maybe weren't as good as obviously you are now or you were really bad but then you like improved and kind of just went from there what was your path like yeah that's a great question I think it's a mix of all of that but to go to the root of it I would have to say it was uh, this positive encouragement of my Paradhanatyam guru, for sure. You know, when someone sees something in you and she constantly encouraged it, I was young. So, you know, going to Paradhanatyam dance classes every weekend wasn't 
my favorite thing to do, right? Um, so her encouragement and continuously pushing me and of course my parents putting me in it, that was the start of it for sure. And I realized that I am definitely someone that uh, rises with positive encouragement as much as with uh, constructive criticism too, of course. Um, but she was the first person I would say that saw that light in me and pushed it. Um, she put me on stage so early in life and I fell in love with the stage since then. I don't think I was really a, ever afraid of the stage. So I, I'm not really sure what that means. But, you know, moving forward as you get older, it's definitely constant practice. Um, you know, it was like boot camp. It was like Indian classical boot camp um, every weekend as a kid. It was, you know, my entire weekend. So it was building that foundation and skills and technique um, every single class. Right. And then from there, um, finally expanding and exploring into different styles and then doing the same. Yeah, I, I love how you incorporate. And I I just like saying the last name. I yeah. struggle saying Parana is Parana. Paradhanatyam. Okay. There you so, go. Um, I love how you incorporate that into your music. I was kind of looking back at some of the, like your, obviously I think your more pop, most popular one, at least on your YouTube channel is Level Up. And yeah. I love how you incorporated that into hip hop as well. Cause I think it's a very unique way of kind of blending the two. Um, yeah. So I guess specifically like that video or just videos that you shoot in general, this is kind of like a side tangent, but um it look I think I recognize the part of town that you shot it at but like obviously it's in a public space mm -hmm. so when you're dancing in public um like that versus like in a performance where like people are kind of going expecting to see a performance is kind of a different I guess vibe or at least in my opinion but when you do it in public like that and people just happen to walk by you're trying to shoot this video or I guess this content um do you not get nervous or like how do you deal with that or it, does that feel different to you than when you're performing yeah, of course, it definitely feels different. It is a different vibe. I like the way you put that. Um, but for me, I, I think anyone that, um, you know, hones into their passion and is doing something like whether it's the stage or the camera, once it's on, for me, it's on. And I'm, I'm not, I don't get distracted by like anyone walking by unless, of course, it's like an issue. Um, so I don't, I don't get nervous. Maybe when I was younger, I was definitely a lot more shy when I was younger, but now I don't get nervous. And like I said, um, I think you just posted something where you kind of summarized kind of all the opportunities that you've been part of. What, like, how did you get those opportunities? Like, I, I know there's like, you know, we throw the, we throw around the word networking. Yeah. Um, but like, how did you get these opportunities? Was it quote unquote networking? Or is there something you're doing that maybe other people like, you know, you 20 years ago, there's like a generation of folks that might look up to you and want to kind of emulate your success or down that path. How do you go about finding these opportunities like you've worked with artists in the South Asian music and film industry you've been in movies you worked with you know obviously she's a good friend of yours but Lily Singh as well so like how did you get all these opportunities this episode is sponsored by nobody that's right nobody so if you could be kind enough to hit that subscribe button that would mean a lot to me with opportunities just you know it, it was it, it was different paths that I took here and there um but it's a mix of things. So I think one, constantly putting my work out there for sure was a huge buildup to where I am now. And, you know, a lot of the times I wanted to give up on doing that and I didn't feel like putting my work. And I guess I'm specifically um, referring to social media because that's just kind of the era we're in right now. Um, 
so it was constantly putting my work out there but not just that also being a part um I know you had mentioned this earlier being a part of Broken Dance that took me you know that brought a lot of opportunities on um to my life that I would have never expected either and then from there networking like you had mentioned and just about some of those um highlights that you had seen in that video is actually through an agency so two years ago I signed with an uh with an agent so I have a talent agency so it's doing auditions like non-stop auditions and just signing things when it when it goes well <clears throat> I don't want to put you in a spot where you have to pick a favorite okay. but like if you had to pick a couple of experiences that really stood out to you mm -hmm. um like what would you say those would be Hard to pick a favorite aura, but <laughs> everything has such a different experience yes. meaning for me. You know, the tour with Lily was definitely huge. I've never traveled worldwide to perform. And why that was so special was because, A, I got to travel with two of my best friends doing work that didn't feel like work. Um, so why that was also such a pivotal moment for me is I remember when we came home to do the Toronto show, I was in my room getting ready to go for the rehearsal or whatnot. And it sounds so cheesy, but I was having a moment. I was doing my makeup in um, the mirror. I was just sitting on the floor and I literally had to my mo a moment to myself where I said out loud, I was like, I'm happy. And I know it sounds so simple, but it was a moment where I was just like, I was purely 100% happy. And then I was like, oh my goodness. I want to do this for the rest of my life. Like I want to perform. I want to travel with my dance, you know? So it was a very, very eye-opening moment for me. So that was very, very pivotal, I would say. And then Sneakerella, which was um, a Disney film that I got to dance on. It casted like a hundred dancers from Toronto. That was huge for me because that was the first non-South Asian um, huge project that I got to be a part of. So walking into that rehearsal, I was so nervous for so many reasons, for fitting in, for feeling like I'm not good enough because everyone's so well established there. Um, so for so many different reasons, but also it made me realize my worth also in like a monetary way as well and understanding, oh my goodness, I can actually, can I actually make a living with this as an artist? You know what I mean? Because growing up, the monetary value plus the dancer game was not there. I did so many things for free because I, I had no idea, right? I didn't know any better. Um, so I learned so much about that too. So that was a huge moment for me. Um, and then Canada's Got Talent was huge because I think that also just helped breaking boundaries within the Western world and putting, you know, South Asian community on the map. How was that experience on Canada's Got Talent? Because <clears throat> obviously, like people watch reality based shows. And like for me, I've always wondered, you obviously see the highlights of like hours of film and all the stuff behind the scenes and you see a glimpse of it. But you got to kind of live that because I think you guys got pretty far. What was that whole experience like from like when you guys went through the you know auditioning process to when you like heard that you guys got into the actual experience of getting far on the show? And like you said, breaking boundaries and showing people that you know, there are people in Canada that look a certain way that can dance this way. So yeah, just tell right. me all about it. Yeah. Right. And dance this way. That's not stereotypical. Right. So that was huge. Um, yeah, that was really exciting. So 
the not so fun part was, you know, waking up uh, really, really early, I think like 4am or whatnot. And we stood in line for six hours, which is, that's how it really is done for back in the day with like reality dance shows. But now because of like post COVID, everything's like online. So the process is, it's changed a lot. Um, but we sit in line for six hours. And then first you go through the auditions with the producers. Um, and this is after sending in your audition video. Um, the next step is the producers. So we perform it for the producers and then we have to wait till we hear back from them. And then if we make it through them, then we do it for the judges and et cetera. So Chase is the, he was the director. He's one of my good friends. And so he held on to the news and then he told me first and then we had like a dinner and then he broke it to the team and we were thrilled. <laughs> we were definitely thrilled. Yeah, it was really exciting. And then like, how is this experience of kind of being on the show? Like, I mean, it looks glamorous, but obviously there's a lot of probably and difficulties and challenges. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. The hardest was definitely um, the finale. Um, so the finals were definitely the most difficult one. There was so much stress and tension in the air because we only had like a week. Yeah, we had a week to put together a full routine with production and costumes and all of that. So it was, that was definitely the hardest part. And then there's also so many interviews that we have to tape outdoors and indoors. So like you had said, the highlights that you see, it's not just what you see on TV. There's just so much more work that goes into it. And the benefit of like a competition like that is obviously you're not getting paid unless maybe I think you win, but you get so much exposure by being on a show like that and the people you kind of meet as well, I assume, right? Yes, that's definitely it. Because like you said, unless you're winning, you're not, you're not really getting much. But we did get some, you know, like um, iPads and things like that, which was really, really, we didn't expect that. So that was really thoughtful. Um, but it was definitely the exposure. So for that, it was 100% the exposure and putting our names and faces on the map. And what year was that? I'm trying to think back. I know. Yeah, that was 2000. And oh my God, I'm trying to think back too. Because when... The new season of Canada's Got Talent came out. I'm like, wait, this is a decade. Yeah, so 2012. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> uh, that's what I thought it was. So yeah. like that, so it ties into my next question, which is yeah. 10 years ago, you got you were on that show. That was kind of your not first breakthrough, but it was kind of your like your first moment in a national or like large audience like yeah. that of that scale. Yeah. Then 10 years, 10 years later, mm-hmm. I think just a few months ago, you got to share the stage with Sumulu and like um uh, you know be on stage at the Junos mm-hmm. that's like I mean I know they're both large but like the Junos is like you know the um, the epic event for kind of music in the Canadian like scene so yeah how did that opportunity come about and like again yeah I, I guess I'm just very curious for me it's like really understanding how people land opportunities because I feel like it's a combination of some kind of luck or good fortune obviously but also like you working hard and doing all those things to be prepared for that opportunity so yeah tell us about that that last thing you said preparation meets opportunity yes 100 percent um and sometimes luck yeah but sometimes I don't even think about that I feel like it's never luck (laughs) (laughs) um but universe has its way of answering sometimes you know when you need it the most and that actually was the Junos because I was going through a moment of just once in a while, I question, I'm like, okay, can I still keep pursuing, you know, the arts as my career? Sometimes you question it because it's always like in waves, right? You get a lot of things and you get nothing. And then it's always in that kind of roller coaster mode. So it came at a time when I really needed it. How did I land that? It was actually through a friend who had heard about the auditions 
And so then he had passed on the audition information to me. So then I contacted Tesher's manager, um, who was the main artist we were performing for, and then uh, Samu joined us for it. Um, and then it was audition based. So I went to the audition. It was like two rounds of auditions. And then you just wait to hear back. And then, yeah, I got it. And then it went from there. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So getting used to auditions, it's a scary thing, but. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting concept because uh, my best friend's an actor and like, you nice. typically hear of like talent managers for like say an actor mm -hmm. I, I was I didn't know that with dancing as well I guess it makes sense with any um performing arts whether it's like yeah. acting or dancing I guess there could be talent managers for each of those did you have to actively search out like the right manager for like what you do or like was one recommended to you so this I feel like it was also you know preparation meets opportunity but also a little bit of luck because there's an event that happens in Toronto, which I never knew about um, until I entered into like the street style world, the Western dance world um, called Choreographer's Ball. And so the first time I had, you have to submit. And basically if you get selected, then uh, the choreographers get to showcase a piece. And it's a huge event. And so I had submitted the first year, I didn't get in. And then the second year submitted, I got in. And same with the third. So I, did two I put out two pieces there and I stuck to what I love doing, which is uh, Indian classical mixed with um, hip hop and such. So it was a fusion piece. And so after watching both of my shows, I had a talent rep approach me. So he had approached me and then a lot of dancers that I knew are with this agency. Um, so then I looked into it. The first time they approached me, I actually turned it down. I didn't feel ready. I don't know if I was overwhelmed or intimidated or I felt like I had to prepare more. Um, and then the second time they approached me, I was like, okay, you know what? No more holding back. Let's just dive in. Let's do this. Let's just see where it takes me. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so it's at the right time, at the right place. Um, you know, again, putting my work out there. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> you have to keep going. And life is really like about, like you said, ups and downs, like you said, yeah. maybe with like uh, the Juno's opportunity, you said it came at a right time. Mm. So I know with a lot of folks, like just in general in life, when when you're experiencing the highs, it's easy to kind of be happy and joyful. Of course. What is your routine or way of kind of dealing with, you know, the rejections or those low points, whether it's professionally or personally, do you have some kind of routine or like people you turn to, like, what is that for you? Did you know that every time you left a 5 out of 5 review for this podcast, a Tamil parent lets their child pursue a career in the creative arts? Okay, that's probably not true, but if there's a chance that it is, do you really want to jinx it? Leave a review. Do it for the young creative in you. Yeah, so when I was younger, I would keep it all in. That really affected me, and then I guess dance saved me, and etc. But then now, you know, as I got older, I turned to people, you know, whether it's my sister who I talk things out through with my partner or, you know, a close friend, talking really helps. I've also understood that it's okay to feel it out. So, you know, when first something happens, I feel it out. If I have to cry my eyes out, I'm going to cry my eyes out. You know, if I'm going to feel angry, it's okay. I'm just going to feel out my emotions. And then when I'm ready, talk about it with someone and then be fueled by it after that you know, be inspired by it. That comes kind of like the last thing. And then whether that means creating or pushing harder because I got rejected from an opportunity um, and then start preparing again. That's kind of like my cycle. <laughs> well, you mentioned family and you mentioned like your sister, mm -hmm. but like 
I guess, um, how about your like parents and like, I mean, including your sister as well, but like your family, how did you grow up? Like what, um, what kind of expectations that your parents have around, you know, you in terms of school or just education or like getting a job or like what, you know, what most people consider like a job, even though there's different kinds of jobs. So, like, what was that like? You know, in this, in this area of my life, I've been very lucky and fortunate to have my parents' support with dance. I always say, I'm like, hey, well, you guys put me in it. So, <laughs> um, so I've been lucky with their support. You know, they've never looked down upon it. I'm sure, I'm sure as I get older and as I've gotten older, I'm sure they worry on the inside as any parent would, like is, you know, is art gonna sustain you, right? Is it, is it gonna be sustainable in the long term? But I think what it is also with parents and especially our parents' generation is having to show them, right? So while I was doing the work, it was definitely a little bit hard. I felt guilt, not that they put guilt on me, but it's just something I felt as I got older. Um, about not having, you know, the, the typical job and, you know, making the typical income at a certain age because the artist's life is, it's definitely a struggle, you know. Um, but as I started to show them, I invite them to everything I do. So, you know, whether it's a story that we don't even talk about at home, like that piece I had told you, they came to that. You know, I invite them to all of my shows and stuff. So I think as they start seeing the accomplishments, um, I think they feel more at peace with it. But I've had a very, very supportive family. And I'm sure I took it for granted when I was younger. But now I definitely don't because a lot of my friends struggle to pursue art, you know, especially in the South Asian community as a career. So it's been nice in that sense. How do you like you talk about like, you know, the struggle as an artist, very similar to like an entrepreneur where like, I think yeah. you're, you're, you have to like spend some time building your skill, your experience kind of unfortunately kind of going through that tough building stage where maybe you're not making as much as you should and you're sacrificing mm -hmm. short-term gain for long-term gain um I guess how are you able to sustain um like I guess if you work on it like living wage based on uh, strictly being an artist and if so and if not like how do you fill in the gaps as well right yeah no that's basically a lot of what I've been thinking about in like the past year or so. Um, and I'm going to be real with you. You know, at times it feels like you can't. Uh, me and my uh, friend of mine, we were just talking about it last night, actually. You know, we want to pursue this full time. But again, it's always in ways, right? You book things, then you don't book things. And the other thing with the industry, like the film, television industry, is you don't get paid right away. So, you know, I can, if I shoot something, um, if I booked something for this month, I'm not going to see that paycheck until about a couple of months, sometimes six. So, and that makes it really tough, right? So you need something else going um, to be able to pay the bills on time and, you know, uh, save and et cetera, you know, build a life. So what my agent had um, advised me to do is because when I first signed with them, he said a nine to five is not going to work. If an audition comes, you need to go. Right. So that was a huge moment for me. And so I quit my nine to five. I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. So I went for it. And he said, you know, you have to try to get something, even if it is full time, you have to try to get something that's flexible for you. Whereas if I book an audition, I can, you know, speak to the company and be like, Hey, booked an audition. I can't make it in, et cetera, et cetera. And they understand. And that's what the school was for me. So the school was perfect because they really support the arts. And so as long as I get my classes covered, they support me. 
you know, with the Junos, it, it came last minute that that all happened. The turnaround, turnaround time was like a week. And so the school was understanding. So I was, you know, lucky with the school being one of those things. I actually just got another job. So I'm juggling about four different things right now, maybe five. Um, I just got another job at a law, law firm yesterday. So yesterday was my first day because it was just a decision I made because I had to. I have to do what I got to do. So yeah, I have a few things going to fill in the gap. So I am still auditioning, still taking on projects. I work with wedding clients. That's kind of my entrepreneurial side um, at the moment for the past year. Um, and then I teach in studios still. And then I have the school starting in September. How am I going to juggle it? We're going to find out, Ara. <laughs> well, I appreciate the hustle. I love it. And I love the fact that you have all that going on. You still showed up for this podcast episode. Of so. course, I had to be here. <laughs> And I'm glad you really shared that because I think um, there's a lot of people I talk to where they like something, but like the way you talk and the things you've done, like you said, like with our parents' generation, they want to see talk is cheap, action is like a bit more valuable. Um, a lot of people want the things that you have accomplished, but not doing the things that you've had to do to get there. And there's unfortunately, I don't, I mean, maybe you could tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there's never, there's no shortcuts to kind of success or like, I guess, in terms of what you deem to be success. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a price to pay and I think a lot of people don't want to pay that price so I'm not saying you have to like right. burn yourself out or like do something that's unhealthy but there's a certain level of pain you I think you have to go through to do something that's un um, or extraordinary right so would you agree yeah. or not agree or is there anything that no I, I do agree and it's nice to hear you say that because you know a lot of the times I mean we're we are our hardest critics right so sometimes when you hear other people say things I'm like oh okay, that's nice, <laughs> you know, because here I am sometimes where I'm like, have I done enough? Am I not working hard enough? Maybe why did I not land this? Or what do I need to do? Maybe I haven't, you know, worked as hard as I should have. So it's nice to hear you say that. And definitely you have to put in the work and that's with anything you do, right? If you, if you don't put in the work, then you're not going to make it as far, unless like you said earlier, luck for sure. But you have to make those compromises. You have to make the sacrifices. There's so many things I've missed out because I chose dance or the path of my dance career. Um, you know, so you have to learn. You also have to learn to say no and put yourself first. And I think that has a lot to do with it too. In the beginning of my career, I did a lot to help other people and, you know, their opportunities and their dreams. But I was kind of putting myself on the back end of that. So it took me a long time to start saying no and uh, saying yes to myself. Have you seen the evolution of relation, like your relationships, not like personal, but in terms of like <laughs> friendships from like, you know, when you started dancing now, like you're kind of picking up the level of projects that you're getting, you know, more and more exposure and bigger projects. Mm -hmm. And you, like you said, you have to learn, learn to say no or sacrifice things. Yeah. So has that impacted your relationships in any way? Because maybe not everyone will understand that, right? Yeah. You know, um, yeah, no, for sure. You know, and actually... Lily, myself, and Chase have talked about this a lot with each other um, because you you have to say no a lot while you're putting in all that work. And then, you know, and then the time comes back to you again where you can start saying yes. But it does, you know, thinking about it, I think it definitely impacts your relationships and friendships. I personally think as you get older, your circle of friends yeah. <laughs> starts to get smaller, right? And sometimes in the best way possible. Um, and those who stick around really are supporting you. You know, they're your biggest cheerleaders and they want to see you succeed. So I think it's important to, I've also been someone who like reevaluates 
all of my relationships from time to time. I think it's important to do that and what my relationship is with like each person and what that means to you. But for sure, I think it's impacted it in a good way and in a negative way. You lose some friends, you gain some new ones, and then the ones that do stick around get a lot stronger. No, for sure. It's like definitely yeah. attrition as you get older. Absolutely. I think there's I think there's a saying of um the real ones kind of are the ones that are like, you know, they don't hear from me for a while, like are there silence or like you hear from them because I think oh yeah with friends, like if you don't hear from somebody you regularly hear from, you know, there's probably something you should probably check on. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And like sometimes your closest friends, like you don't have to talk every day. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I can call them like a year later and be like, hey, hey, how's it going? You, you just pick up. Yeah, those those yeah. are kind of great relationships to have. Like me and my yeah. best friend who like, I guess, because I understand your world, obviously not completely, but I understand yeah. it because I see his struggle. Because okay, he's like, course. he's been, him and his brother have been like, you know, especially him, he's been like 12, 13, 14 years kind of in that world. And he's getting bigger and bigger projects. But like when he makes it, he's going to be like a, like a 20 year overnight success. So I feel like you're going to be the right. same way where it's like people think you came out of nowhere, but you've been kind of grinding and doing this, you know, this craft or working on this craft. So right, right. Um, For sure. And family too. I missed so many family events growing up. Yes, yes. Not my, like, you know, not my immediate, uh, yeah. immediate family, but yeah, I was just always involved with so many things. So I didn't make it to a lot and families yeah. hold grudges, but you just can't take it personal. You just got to believe in what you do and go with it. And time heals things as well. You know, exactly. I think people change how they view things exactly. from your perspective, um, especially considering your particular dance style or what you prefer, who would be your dream collaboration? Money can be hard to come by, but here's a hundred dollar opportunity for you. Join my free newsletter for free exclusive content and a free chance to win $100 when I hold special draws. Did I mention that it's free? Ooh, that's always a fun question. Can I give you three? Sure. And I'll tell you why. Sure. (laughs) I want to give you one from like every world. So what I mean is like, you know, in in the Thummel film industry and dance industry, like can't go wrong of course dream collab would be Prabhudova like hands down (laughs) um and then in the Bollywood world I mean she's also in the Tollywood world too but um Aishwarya Rai she's been huge for me just watching her dance growing up um I really appreciate like her expressions and I used to like study her videos I would watch her dance videos and literally study her expressions and then I would like mimic them and then learn them like it was constantly back and forth like that and then in the Western oh, world. Wait, let me yeah. guess. If yeah. I already guess, is it JLo or Sierra? Oh, okay. So you know what? I actually was not going to mention um, a, like a celebrity. Oh, okay. okay. Got it. Okay. If it is, Sierra. Dance wise, like absolutely. But JLo's fire too. Yeah, JLo and Sierra. Oh my God. Both of them together. Woo. Okay, <laughs> so maybe, that's say, <laughs> so- maybe that's my dream club. <laughs> so who are you gonna say sorry i interrupted i for whatever reason okay. like, yeah. it was worth it it was worth it <laughs> got me hyped it's okay jlo and sierra in one let's go <laughs> um she's actually an artist um called galen hooks okay and she's a dancer and she the reason why i connect so heavily with her is because um her storytelling through dance and she does it through western dance styles and to be able to collab with that would be would be pretty cool but yeah celebrity level we'll stick to Prabhudeva, Aishwarya, JLo and Sierra 
And in addition, in addition to kind of all the cool things and projects you've been part of, you also give back. So like you have a lot of things on your, I mean, you're not doing, doing this right now, but you did, which is you volunteered in Sri Lanka and you kind of taught dance mm. to orphanages and women um, development centers. Um, yeah. What made you to decide to particularly do this? And like, how did you go about even kind of setting that up to kind of get those opportunities to find where you can actually go and do this because I imagine it's not easy to kind of figure or navigate that. Yeah, that also happened really quickly too. So I kept seeing um, like Comduit's post about it and I would save it, I would screenshot it, save it. I'm like, wasn't sure, you know what I mean? Um, so I kept coming across it and then I was thinking about it. I always love doing work like that. So, you know, anything to do with my background in school, school was social work. So anything to do with, you know, um, giving back with Dance Together was like a dream for me. Um, so I've done a couple things in Toronto, but then when I saw the post about like doing this in Sri Lanka and I was like, oh my goodness, going back to like where my parents grew up, um, even though I wasn't born there, like I visited back home with my parents too. But being able to like go where they grew up and to be able to do that, like it, it was striking all types of chords and feels inside of me. And I felt like it was something I just had to do and I didn't want to question it too much. So then like before I thought way too much about it, I just applied. I just like sent in the application and then it just went from there. And that experience is something I will never forget. Yeah, it was definitely one of my like favorite best experiences ever. If you had a chance to go back in a time machine and visit your 16 year old self, mm -hmm. what would you tell her? I would say, and as much as this doesn't seem like something that I've been doing, but I would tell her to not hold back and move with less fear. You know what I mean? And uh, worrying less about what people think. I feel like we still, you know, go through that um, as a hurdle from time to time. But um, yeah, and just like owning my power and just going with it instead of being scared to. Um, and taking more risks. On a scale of 10, like based on that answer, on a scale of 10, when you were 16, mm -hmm. one being you cared a lot and one being you didn't care at all. Mm -hmm. When you were 16, how much did you care about what people thought about you or like what you were doing? And what is that now? How has that number changed? I'm just curious. Mm, well, I definitely do think as you get older, you you care less and less. I'd hope, yeah. well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at 16... Yeah, that's like mid teenager. I'm sure it's really hard for me to like remember, but I'm sure I cared a lot. I feel like um, validation was important, even though social media wasn't a huge thing then. But hearing you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but hearing that, you know, how I'm doing from other people, it, it felt important. But now it it doesn't matter as much. And my partner used to tell me this um, just a couple of years ago, like, it doesn't matter if the world believes in you until you believe in yourself. And I think that's the component that I had to work on so much, right? And that's the part people don't always see, right? It doesn't matter what you're accomplishing and what your accolades are, but if you really don't believe in yourself, you, you aren't going to be able to succeed at the rate that you really have the potential to. Yeah. It's crazy that we grew up in that generation without social media because yeah, I don't know if... <laughs> At 16, I would have been armed with the info or the skills or whatever it is to kind of deal with it. Because okay. even as adults, I mean, I think I'm pretty good, but I still struggle at times. Oh, yeah. Um, so 
I, I can't imagine what kids like growing up and all they know is social media because it's it's a I think it could be a dangerous thing to give to somebody so young just because it's a great tool. But, you know, it's just like anything else. You give a card to somebody that's 10 years old, they're not going to use it well. So, like, why do it with social media? But there's definitely a lot of benefit to it. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult thing to It's a tricky navigate one. around. Yeah. It is, yeah, for sure. You can get roped into it negatively too. So Yeah. you have to really be self-conscious and aware of how it's affecting you. So in terms of your personal legacy, um, how would you want to be remembered by your friends and family? Oh man, that's a tough one. <laughs> um, but honestly, at the root of it, I would want to be remembered as someone who was, you know, always kind, also, you know, compassionate and someone that just kept going and never gave up because some, that's something I always push for, like no matter how thing, how much things got hard. And even though I felt like giving up a lot of times, I didn't. And that's something I'm proud of. So I hope that people can remember that only so that they can be inspired by that to know to not give up and that you can do it and just keep going. That's a good way to segue into the final segment of the podcast. It's a speed round that I like to call, or a game I like to call Creator Confessions. It's like a speed round. I'm going to say a bunch of statements to you. And, uh, I'm scared. I'm scared. Right, I'm scared. <laughs> I think it'll be fun. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> uh, all right. So favorite Tamil food? Something that scares you. It's up. Um, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Um, yes, yes. Something that scares you. Mice. <laughs> <laughs> um insecurity that you have oh insecurity uh is definitely self-doubt um favorite show you're watching right now i'm re-watching the oc <laughs> <laughs> no one's classic. gonna if this generation watch if they listen to this they have no idea what that is and that's okay that's, that's a classic um, <laughs> yeah. uh, place you're itching to travel to oh yes i am itching to travel to italy and spain a fellow tamil creator you want to give a shout out to Ooh, yes, Tanushka, let's go. She's also someone that's killing it right now, and I'm so proud of her. Favorite childhood memory? Favorite childhood memory. Um, one of the apartments we used to live at, we had the top balcony, and it was amazing and so much fun every time me and my cousins got together and just played on that balcony. Yeah. <laughs> I, I live in a condo, and uh, the thought of my kids playing on the balcony scares me. <laughs> this is huge. It was almost like a rooftop. Oh, okay. It was a rooftop. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, something you like to do for fun outside of work? Something I like to do for fun outside of work is definitely, aside from having a glass of wine with friends, I also like hiking. Favorite movie of all time? And it can be Tamil, English, or both. Ooh, Tamil, English, or both. Favorite movie of all time. Oh my God, I'm so bad on the spot. In Tamil, definitely it was uh, Kandukonin, Kandukonin, growing up. English, I would have to say, oh my God, I can't think. Oh, her. Who is in that? Is it called her? I could be saying the wrong name. Who's in the movie? I don't know, like, the main actress's name. Yeah. But, or you know which one? The one with the bees. Do you remember what that one's called? I'm so bad. Look, this is the horror. I'm no, no, I'm really bad with the person. <laughs> Somebody listening to this eventually will let us know. So. <laughs> the one with the bees. It's a really, really uh, touching story. I'm into, like, the, you know, the heartwarming stories. Got it. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google this for sure. And I'll yes, let you know if do. I figure it out. Thank you. Um, what's a purchase you've made that you splurged on in the last couple of years that you have no regret about? Ooh, a purchase. Uh, definitely a flight ticket. A pet peeve. Mm, it sounds cliche, but 
it's a pet peeve um, when people don't know how to communicate. <laughs> if you knew that you were going to die tomorrow, a regret that you would have. Not spending enough time with my parents. A celebrity or person whose life you'd want to experience for one day. JLo. Uh, a book you've read or a podcast you've listened to that's had an impact on you. The Power of Now. Uh, a belief, behavior, or habit that's improved your life. Making lists. And finally, a piece of advice that you would give to your fellow aspiring Tamil creators out there. Yes, my Tamil fellow creators is the same advice I give myself. Keep pushing, you know, don't listen to anything that people have to say, you know, don't allow those words to put you down or hold you back and keep breaking the barriers. Just keep going and never give up because you got this. There's only one you. Amazing, Anoshini. This is an amazing episode. Lots of really good nuggets of information. So for somebody that's listening and they're inspired, maybe already by you, but they want to reach out, um, what is the best way for someone to reach out? Um, so definitely the best way for someone to reach out is via email. Um, you know, and that email is connected to my Instagram page. So at Anoshini, you can definitely DM. But if it's important, then definitely send an email because I check that every single day. Awesome. Well, yeah. we appreciate you making time, juggling four jobs and the volunteering <laughs> and all the other things that you do. So appreciate that. So thank you for jumping on. Um, and, and for everyone listening, appreciate you guys as always. Um, look forward to the next episode. Thank you so much, Ara. You're the best.